2: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And folks, today we're going to do Shut Up and Eat Your French Fries. Ed, this is going to be great.
3: (laughs) I love this show title. Love it. Did
2: you know, Ed, that a child asks about forty thousand questions between the ages of two and five?
3: Yes, I do, Ron. And <laughs> I've got five children. Yes. <laughs> I do. So wait, forty thousand times five, so that's two hundred thousand questions, Ron. Two hundred thousand.
2: Hence, shut up and eat your friends. <laughs> Uh, give us the origin of that, Ed. Where's that? Where's that line come from?
3: Yeah, so this is a, a Louis C.K. Uh, bit, and love Louis C.K. and we'll we'll definitely put this one up on the show notes. And just the the, the warning right now: not suitable for work or home, right? <laughs> or young kids. Young kids? Masculine. No. Yes, <laughs> you don't want to play this video around them. But it's hysterically funny, and Louis C.K. as many comedians do have has a fantastic insight. Into this, and the 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 bit starts off with him saying, you know, people who see parents out and about and are critical of them were never parents themselves, because if they were, they would be saying, you know, what what did that child do to that poor mother? (laughs) And most of it is around asking the question, why? Right. So, you know, daddy is, you know, we can't go outside. Why? Well, because it's raining. Well, why? <laughs> and he goes on to the next and the next and he's and he brings it back. and he says, look, I'm going to stop here before this gets weird and abstract. <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden you're saying crazy stuff and it always ends up with sitting in a McDonald's with bags strewn around. You go, just shut up and eat your French fries. <laughs> Because it's true, right? If you keep asking why, I mean, ultimately you end up with stuff, something like, well, things can't be and not be at the same time.
2: <laughs> you get all of these existential, uh, you know, answers. Right. Yeah, that's the Toyota 5 whys, right? It I is mean, the Toyota
3: 5 whys. But in a business context, I think that we are challenged by this because I don't think that in a business context we ask enough why and what Really, the, the shut up and eat your French fries is a nod to is the fact that there have been some times in my business career where I have been told to shut up and eat my French fries. Sure. And and I can tell you that nothing will get me PO'd faster than saying that, right? Yeah. Especially if I'm just asking, like, the first or second why, right? <laughs> because it's really – and uh, you and I are both both fans of a of an of a book that's out called A More Beautiful Question. And I just want to read this quote. I'm not really a big fan of reading quotes, but. This one, I think, is well worth it from Warren Berger, different than the Supreme Court Justice, by the way, for those of you listening in the States. And he said, said this, and this is actually a conglomeration of a couple of different quotes together from the book in one. Great products, companies, even industries often begin with a question, yet few companies actually encourage questioning in any substantive way. There are no departments or training programs focused on questioning, no policies, guidelines, best practices. On the contrary, many companies, whether consciously or not, have established cultures that tend to discourage inquiry in the form of someone asking, for example, why are we doing this particular thing in this particular way? Right. <clears throat> and I think that that's ex- ex- extremely profound and astute. I think that we, as in many cultures of businesses, have been, it, we are shut out from asking, asking questions, especially the why question.
2: Well, you know, the 40,000 questions, Ed, between the ages of two and five, and then after that, it drops like a stone. Mm-hmm. There's there's a graph in the book, and it just falls off a cliff. And, you know, somebody said only in kindergarten do we put up with people asking questions that are off topic. I mean, by the time you get into that first or second grade, right, it only the yeah. teacher can ask questions,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not the students. So we're just, I mean— we kind of like, you know, we lament reading and writing, but think of uh, listening and, and speaking. Those aren't taught very well. But then the art of questioning is just ignored completely almost. And, and, and like you said, and like what Berger says in the book, um, you know, most companies don't don't facilitate asking questions because I think part of it is again this holdover from Frederick Taylor efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Asking questions is inefficient.
3: Oh, very inefficient, right? I mean, wait a minute, I got to stop
2: here and explain myself, <laughs> or I've got to make you think about something that you know rather than do something. Right, a question makes you stop and think about something, and and you know companies just don't want to do that. They rather have answers, and and it's interesting because one of the things that I really loved about this book, A More Beautiful Question, is he talks about Google. Google is a company that literally runs on questions, and people say that it's because the the two founders were Montessori educated, and in fact, Eddie calls it the Montessori Mafia. <laughs> the wikipedia the wikipedia founder jimmy wales jeff mm-hmm. bezos from amazon and uh you know the two guys from google sergey brin and larry page all montessori educated all Real, have wow, cultures all have cultures that run on questions
3: yeah very true and and by questions i don't necessarily mean yes fa- founders and and leadership certainly i think ask questions but what I find is that then they don't want folks down on down on further line to ask questions. yep, right. Um, and and when when questions are asked, they are sometimes dismissed. and as as well, you know th- we we've we've already talked about that. we got to move on.
2: and And is part of it because leaders aren't really good questioning? people either i mean leaders think they come to, into the job ceo whatever and they have to have answers they can't run around yeah. and ask questions it would undermine their authority undermine the hierarchy mm-hmm.
3: yeah I, I think that's part of it i think that's part of hey i i'm supposed to be the one that has the has the answers uh, but it, but i also think it's it's a part of the fact that it's that we ha- it's difficulty in communicating some a- abstract stuff on the way down Right. Mm-hmm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy. It's easier to say, you know, we're going to grow market share. Well, yeah. OK. How long did it take you to come up with that one? Genius. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> but then then what are the particulars of that? Well, and, and I think it also gets to something that our friend Tim Williams talks about is that leaders and organizations don't necessarily want to say no to. Necessarily to anything because they 'd rather just have it free form they 'd rather not define specifically what it is that we 're doing because then again it 's kind of on them
2: right right, right, yeah, maybe even especially with customers right
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know he he does define it he says a beautiful question is ambitious yet actionable and and one of the equations he has, Ed, and I just love this is uh, q plus a where q is questioning and and A is action. And he says that equals innovation. Right. Where if you have Q <clears throat> questioning minus A, minus action, you have philosophy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. so, so we're not talking about the why are we here questions, you know, how did something <clears throat> become of nothing, you know, it's not those que- it's actionable questions in a business context. Correct.
3: Correct. But, you know, I I will say this, though. I I think those philosophical questions are also important. I think they shouldn't be left aside. I think, you know, that's the whole Simon Sinek start with why. We really have to get better at communicating that that why purpose type questions throughout the organization. And, you know, I'm a big, big believer in purpose. And, you know, I, I actually think that every meeting in every company should start off Re- rehashing what our purpose is and, and, and asking this question about the meeting. Does this meeting drive us further along the path of that purpose? And if the answer is yes, great, let's have the meeting. If the answer is no, probably doesn't, then why are we having the meeting?
2: Right. Yeah, no, I, it's a great point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't shy away from philosophical questions. I think they're really important, even though they may be abstract. Uh, I don't think we spend enough time on it. <laughs>
3: No, uh, clearly not. I I don't think we do either.
2: A couple other great, interesting insights, too, from Frank Lloyd Wright. You know, we've talked about Mr. Wright before. Interesting guy says an expert is someone who has stopped thinking because he knows.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And And it's often pain to know, right? And so you you can't ask any more questions. I know.
2: Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think this is one of the hardest things. And I can only speak as a, you know, recovering CPA, but you know, there's been talk for decades about accountants, you know, doing more business advisory and consulting services. And I do think, Ed, the biggest roadblock to that is we're paid for answers. When clients ask us a tax question, whatever, we, you know, we feel we need to get the answer or go look it up really quick or have it off the top of our head. But consultants are paid for questions. Mm-hmm. And the questions are far more valuable than the answers. And I don't think the profession can wrap its head around that.
3: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. that. That was something that my mentor, Howard Hansen, said to me way very early in my consulting career, probably not early enough, by the way, which is consultants are paid not for great answers, but for asking great great questions. And he would even add, and asking a a different, newer question, right? Something that is is different from what's been asked. In previously. And I'm just going to share a, a, another quote from a gentleman I know you have a lot of respect for too, Ron, and that is Eric Hoffer. Who was mm. uh, so? Uh, he is a philosopher, self-taught philosopher. Uh, that was a, but a longshoreman in Port of San Francisco, right? Right, right. And then uh, taught himself philosophy, and, and I really do like this about the idea of questions. He said, "Language was invented to ask questions because answers can be given in grunts and gestures, but questions must be spoken." Humanness came of age when man asked the first question, and I, I love this part, Ron. Social stagnation results not from a lack of answers but from the absence of the impulse to ask questions. It's brilliant. I, yeah, it is absolutely brilliant. And I think that that is, you know, s- s- separate out the philosophy of this and change social stagnation to, you know, s- stagnation of an organization.
2: Sure. Value stagnation or results. Or, yeah. <clears throat>
3: right. <clears throat> yep. Is that, it, look, there, we're, we're, there's plenty, everybody's got answers, but are, are people asking new, new and better questions and and I do love this idea that 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 only humans can ask questions. I mean, animals, as far as we know, do not ask questions at all. They can indicate preference, at least the way that we understand it, right? I'm sure you've had your dog look at you, look at the popcorn, look at you, look at the popcorn, absolutely, <laughs> look at you, look at the popcorn, right? <laughs> so clearly, your dog is expressing a preference for hey, I, hey, hey, guy, can I have some popcorn? But <laughs> but it's not but it's not expressed at all because um, that, that's a, the expression of a preference it's not really a question
2: right it's not and, curiosity right
3: and it's not like, curiosity
2: until they can until the brains at ibm can get watson to acquire the equivalent of curiosity and creativity and divergent thinking skills uh questioning is going to be in the realm of us humans and that is one thing that that we have over you know ai i guess is our ability to ask questions
3: yeah because as far as I know that's a that's a good thought run I have to do some research on that but Watson will only take input right I mean, yeah. Watts is not just going to uh, all of a sudden say, you know what?
2: I don't want to learn. I want to learn about this now. I, I guess in, when they played Jeopardy, uh, they have since they have to answer in the form of a question. He was they were able to get. Him, yeah. Yeah. But but all, that's not the same thing.
3: No. Th- but, then, you know, that, that, that's just that's just a, 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 an interesting game show technique to make it a little bit more interesting. Right. I provide the answer and you provide the question. But 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 it's not it, it's it's not a genuine seeking of new knowledge. Right. Right. It's right. not an tell, tell me more about that. Right. So anyway, wow, this is a, a great conversation. I'm going to I personally love talking about this stuff. So I'm enjoying the, the this show and I probably will enjoy the rest of it. But right now is time to take our first break. But we want to remind you that you should uh, always get look at look for us at the soul of dot com on the website. We keep show notes up there and previews of what's going on. Uh, in addition, you can get links to our books uh, as well as our iTunes. And please keep those uh, reviews on Amazon and iTunes coming. They're like gold to us. Really appreciate that. But if you want to just email us, just email asktsoeasktsoe T S O E A S K T S O E the soul of enterprise, at verisage.com. And Ron and I will be happy to take your questions. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us.
1: Have you ever read a book that changed your life?
0: You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
3: You know, Dr. Seuss said that sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. (laughs) and <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> it is it's it's either you know it's a Yogi bearer or dr seuss whatever yeah yeah right but i think it, it's right along the lines of uh, understanding i mean look this is a different way of saying was ronald reagan's quote and i'm not going to get it exact it's it, but but yeah you know, the, sometimes the, you know the there are the, there are simple answers they're just not easy easy right right um, and I think that's the that that's that's uh, the the flip side of this. But I want to talk a little bit, Ron, about some of the basics of questions. Like, what 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 do questions do for us? Right. Okay. And there's five quick things that I want to d- talk about. One is that questions determine the quality of our experience. Right. Mm. The questions that we ask actually determine how how what how well we perceive something. Sure. So the, the, the better we are at asking questions, the, the the better our quality of any kind of experience will be. And you probably had experience with this. You know, when you're walking into uh, a Disney park, wow, I wonder how they did that, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, all, all of those things, those are questions that come into to your mind that actually, it, even if they're not expressed, improve the quality of your experience,
2: right? And, and it's kind of like interviewing, too, Ed, isn't it? Because you really have to listen. If you're going to ask good questions, you really got to be engaged in listening to the person.
3: Yes, absolutely. There's a little exercise that I I, I do where, and this I, I borrowed this from my friend Mahan Khalsa, who uh, I saw do this for the first time. And maybe he wasn't who invented this exercise. But it's really interesting. And what you do is you take people and go back to Yogi Berra. We have them pair off in threes, right? Um <laughs> And then what they do is they each take turns at one of three different positions in a conversation. And the first position is what's called the active person, right? This is the person who's telling a story. And we say, just, hey, just start to tell, tell something about yourself. Doesn't matter. Just anything about you, just start talking, right? That's the active person. And then there's a person in the triad who is in what's called receptive mode. And the only thing that they're allowed to do is ask questions, Right. Mm. And they're also allowed to give some like nonverbal feedback like you just did, mm, you know, or yes, tell you or, uh-huh, you know, something like that. You are allowed to do that just to, to give. But you can't make a statement, right? You're not allowed to make a statement. So only ask questions. And then the third person in the triad, they, they are in observation mode. Right. They are only allowed to watch this conversation. So we have each person in the triad spend maybe two or three minutes in that. And then we rotate like volleyball, rotate and everybody's flips and you each get you get the next the next position on the triangle. And then after this goes on, it takes about 10 minutes to do. And then we say, okay, so what did you learn? And there are some really interesting things that always come out of that exercise And one of the the things that that comes out, and if it's not the first thing, is something like, wow, I didn't realize that the person who is asking the question is really in charge of where the conversation goes, Hmm. right? It's not the active person. It's actually the receptive person.
2: It's like the listener is in charge of the conversation, not the talker.
3: That's right. The listener, well, the, the we'll we'll call it inquiry, right? And inquiry is is a balance between questioning and listening, mm-hmm. right? So the person who's in this, the, who is the in, uh, inquisitor, <laughs> uh, but in, in inquiry mode, they're they're the ones who determine what you talk about, even right? Because if if I'm just telling a story about myself, you might pick up on a piece of it and say, oh, well, well, tell me more about this, right? So then I go down a path that I maybe hadn't planned on talking about, right? So. It's really up to the questioner to to determine what is really talked about. (laughs) By the way, the the other thing that oftentimes comes out of this exercise, and I find this one fascinating, is that most people really detest the (laughs) observer-only Well, they don't, <laughs> right, they don't right. like that, right? They'd rather be talking or even listening and asking questions. And when I ask why, a lot of folks say, well, because I, I didn't like the questions. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't like the story, is that they thought that the questions could have gone down a different path, that they, they would have gone a different way, which it leads me to the, the, the next couple of things that I want to talk about. So I said, one, we said that cur- the questions determine the quality of experiences, but it also they also determine how well we understand others, Right? Mm-hmm. Our, the, how well we ask specific targeted questions determines how well we understand what's going on. They also determine how we relate to the world, right? And what's important and what's not. They, the questions determine what is it, asking a question about something makes a determination as to that 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 must be important because you're asking about that thing it increases the importance of whatever it is that you're asking about at least to the other person and then lastly and i find this one the most fascinating is that questions determine the course of our actions and direct the actions of others Mm -hmm. now you wouldn't Mm -hmm. think that questions direct the uh, actions of others but they really do
2: oh think about in the scientific community i mean a good question can can lead to decades of research Einstein said, You know curiosity and questioning were holy,
3: yeah uh-huh. <laughs> amen yeah yep yeah. no i and i I think those those things are so important and and i I think we have given the short shrift to Really good questions, and later on in, in the the broadcast here, I want to share if I can run some of the best questions that I've come across, and oh, that will be, be helpful with people. But um, not not quite there yet. I think we'll we'll save that further for the end.
2: Well, you know, what? this points up the again the prescience and wisdom of Peter Drucker, who said, you know, his greatest strength was to be ignorant and ask a few questions. Yeah, and and, and that's why I even love his his title of his autobiography, "Adventures of a Bystander." that bystander role you know he says it's like standing off stage you you see the audience and the actors but you see things that neither of those groups see Mm -hmm. as a bystander and he said you know the answers he used to tell his customers the answers have to be yours yes
3: (laughs) yeah they can't be mine they can't they can't be mine they can't not be mine because then then i'm just giving you my stuff
2: and, and, you know, even Dan Ariely, who we interviewed, said, you know, why is it that company leaders, you know, prefer being supplied with answers over asking questions? He said, because answers allow us to take action, while questions mean that you need to keep thinking.
3: We can't have that, Ron. We can't have more thinking. <laughs> thinking is dangerous. You know what? People then have, ready, ideas. Ideas. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know that whole ideas have consequences, which I love, and I'm sure you're familiar with that book by Richard Weaver. It's a it's a classic, and it's so true. And I've said that you know for decades now. Ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have bad consequences. But you know what? Ideas usually come out of questions.
3: Well, they, well, they almost always have to come out of questions, right? I mean, idea does uh, idea is usually some kind of a solution to a problem or a, a challenge that is faced. Right. So that 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 by definition, I guess, is a question. How how do I how do I do this better? How do I fix this?
2: Right. Or why are we doing this at all? Mm -hmm. And and you know, this is why I love the philosopher Bertrand Russell who said, in all affairs, it's a healthy thing now and then to hang a question mark on the things you take for granted. (laughs) And and Ed, that's basically what I did with the timesheet and the billable hour. You know, I took that for granted. It was in my DNA and it's like, wait, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? Where where did this idea come from? You know, and I've I've learned that just that question, just tracing back the antecedents of something can really help you uh, supplant it with something superior.
3: Just, yeah, asking questions as to origin, right? Right, right. Yeah, like origin of words. That's one of my favorite things is, okay, well, if I really want to understand this word. I've got to understand the origin of the word and how it's morphed over time as well.
2: Right, and and I guess the other thing about questions too is people feel like they, 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 I don't know, they 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 show ignorance or they're worried about looking dumb or or whatever. But boy, I don't know. I think it's uh, uh, you know, like the, I know the founder of TED, uh, a guy named Richard Worman, Right? He said, mm-hmm. "I know more about my ignorance than you know about yours." <laughs> Love that he, he bragged about it. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, boy i sometimes i think drucker's right i think we should lead with our ignorance more
3: yeah, yeah. well uh, it's it's sort of like and 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 brag about i ask better questions right? <laughs> <laughs> which which leads to like quick quickly here before our break here is what what are what is an effective question i think there are three overarching characteristics of a, of an effective question mm-hmm. and the first one you'll not find surprising right it well it has a valuable answer right <laughs> Right. right. Well, okay. Yeah. Right. Because you can ask a question that doesn't have a valuable answer, and therefore it invalidates the question to a certain extent. Right. Um, it may or it may, not, it may just be a, a poor answer to still an effective question. But you, obviously, we want to have a, a, have a valued answer. But I think these are the other two things that are important: is that the questions questions have a purpose. There's got to there's got to be a there's got to be a reason for the question. You know, a, it's almost a a why about the why. I guess what philosophers would call this meta metaphysics, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, wh- you know, why, why about the why, why, why are you delivering this question? There's got to be an, 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 I guess an intention might be the best way to describe it, an intention behind the question. Um, and then the third thing that I think is, is that they have to be effectively delivered. All right. I've seen, I've seen people have good questions, but poorly articulate them. Hmm. And get so convoluted uh, that that you can't understand even what the question is, right? And if I, oh, wait a minute, I got to parse that out. Hold on, are you asking this? I mean, so then there are people who don't ask questions so much as they make statements
2: <laughs> with, with a question somewhere buried in the
3: buried middle, buried in the middle, or you know, it, isn't that right?
2: <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's so true. Isn't that true. right?
3: And when we, when we get back, I'm gonna, we're going to take you through some bad questions. I have, I've got a list of bad questions, especially from a professional uh, perspective. So we're going to go through those when we get back from our break. But we want to remind you that you can always get a hold of us at asktsoe at varisage.com if you send us an email. And we also monitor the hashtag asktsoe as well as do have a Twitter handle at ask TSOE so if you want to get a hold of us those would be great ways to do so and we love to hear your questions so as obviously we do because we're doing a whole show about questions so please ask as many questions as you as you like but right now we're going to hear from our sponsor Azamba
1: We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, A Guide to the New Art of Social Selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new e-book, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here talking about the art of questioning. And as the historian David Hacker Fisher observed, Ed, questions are the engines of intellect, cerebral machines that convert curiosity into controlled inquiry. I love that. But mm. you have a list of or examples of bad questions.
3: Yes. Yes. there Yeah, sure. Sure. The, for, the There are questions that actually try to manipulate. Right. Mm. And look, I'm, I'm going to give extreme examples
2: of like this. leaving questions from a <laughs> yes. from a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. uh, all
3: right. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to 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 give extreme examples of this. But we're, what I what I think is true, though, and if you examine this, is that all of these we are all guilty of 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 sometimes asking questions like this in, to some degree. Right. So but I'm, but I will admit that my my examples are off the charts extreme in one way, but, sure. but they're they're done to to uh illustrate it. So questions that manipulate, here's an example. You know, Joe the owner thinks this is a good idea. Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah, the
2: colonel thinks this is a
3: good <laughs> <Yeah>. idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know G- General Patton wants yeah. a- <laughs> think that's a good idea? Um So that's manipulate. They Some questions even try to gain power, right? They try to, they try to, so it's beyond manipulation, but try to gain power over someone. And a simple question that does this that I hear often asked is, so are you with us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, this goes back to the George Bush study. If they're not for us, they're against us, right? Right. Are Are you with us? Are you with us? And you know, that's that that's that's an attempt to assert authority and power over someone. I've heard questions that intimidate. Could this cost you your job? Mm, mm-hmm. Right? And th- that that's clearly something that's putting someone at, on a def- in a defensive position about self self preservation. Is that I, the smartest I, thing you could do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good example. Right? <laughs> that, 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 that wasn't very smart. No, wasn't. Um <laughs> Uh, bo- boasting questions, and I know this is silly, but you know it, it, it's it's uh, effectively saying. And I and I hear this in the sales process, Ron, all of the time. So people people will go through and they'll they'll go through their whole pitch and say, you know, we've been around since the Kennedy administration. We've got more features than anybody else. We're the largest. We're the biggest. We're the best. We really take care of our customers. Not like that other guy. Blah 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 blah. blah. But enough about us. What do you think of us? <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and it it comes out a little bit more subtle than that it's like well so what do you think you know oh you guys are great i mean so it's you know just trying to get people to tell you how great you are right mm-hmm. um but but and it's it's subtle you know you don't say what do you think of me but you but they do say so what do you think of what we've said so far
2: Sure, sure. Some, right. some of the closing books that you read, you know, on sales are, are very manipulative that way with the questions, you know.
3: Right, right. If that was, you know, it was it the whole, was it Max Sachs or something like that, that basically comes down to, you know, can you, if, if, so what, what, can you give me a reason, any reason at all why we can't do business right now? Right. right. Well, I think your product sucks. Well, <laughs> other than the fact that our product sucks, is there a reason that you can't do anything we can do business? Well, I hate your guts. You're ugly. Well, other than the fact that our product sucks and, you're, and I'm ugly and you hate my guts, is there any reason why we can't do business today? I'm like, all right. You know. <laughs> yes, there are. Um, there, there's confusing questions. And there's two, two things on this. So you can either just confuse or ask questions that contain jargon. Right, so has your company created a CRM SaaS strategy that ensures future pull? Right. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you? What are you even talking about with that question? And then uh, the the one that I think is very prevalent, and I will say that I have done this. I, I admit that, and I try to stop myself, but it doesn't always work. And that is that questions that you ask that make yourself look bad. And mm-hmm. this is something like this. Can I be honest with you? Mm,
2: mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Well, what have you been being yeah, now, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: can I tell the truth here?
2: Yeah. No.
3: Lie to me. I prefer. But <laughs> well, but lie to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, can I be honest? Can I be frank? There's 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 lots of variations on that. And I and I do hear that an awful lot from professionals, an right. awful
2: lot. Just makes you doubt their sincerity or or anything else. But okay, so you've given us some bad examples. So Ed, how do you get good questions out of someone or a group?
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things about asking great questions and set it, setting them up. And the the and this is some work, for, a combination of the work of Mahan Khalsa, who I mentioned earlier, and Peter Block. And I've just kind of stuffed their two thought processes together on this. Mm-hmm. But when we set up a great question, we have to set up a question in such a way that it creates a a, a future that is distinct from the past. Right? Mm-hmm. So a really great question does that. The other thing that we need to do to just even get ourselves in the mindset for asking a great question, so we're not even there yet, we're just, but is we have to give permission for unpopular answers. mm-hmm Right? We have to give permission for, que- for, for people to, to, to ask questions about our questions or to give an, an answer that, that may, we may not want to hear. And it's got to be known ahead of time. And the, be- the best way to describe this is, is, is are you, and think about this not from a sales standpoint, but from an internal organizational point where perhaps you as a leader are, and follow my, my logic here, asking someone to do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you ha the first thing that you need to do is ask yourself this. Are you really asking or or are you giving a command? Mm-hmm. Because if you if you're if you're asking, you have to develop a culture inside your organization that allows people to say, No, I don't want to do that. Right. Right? Be and that, then you can ask, so can you do this for me? But if it's not, if it's a command, make it a command and say, I'm telling you to do this, not I'm asking you to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you you have to do this. Because if you're asking, what if you say, look, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you to do this. That's not ask, right? That's not asking. Asking implies a permission, doesn't it? Yes or no. Right. Right? And because if, and, if I ask you to do something and you, and you want to say no, what's the consequence well, maybe you're fired hmm. if you if you say no. So mm-hmm. therefore, I have to say yes, right? And this is this is Peter Block and I love this. If you can't say no, your yes means
2: nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Kind of goes right? back to the whole freedom and accountability and it does. you have to yeah. It, yep. You know, in the book at A More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger, he he and he yeah, I love this, the Right Question Institute. <laughs> right. There's a whole group out there that, that deals with the right question, but they they do have a method they use called the Q storm or Q focus and what they do. And they, they they teach teachers how to do this, but they, they put up a, a, a statement mm-hmm. and, and I'm just going to give an example here from the book. Torture can be justified. And then they have the students think in questions So you have to ask questions around that statement, whatever it might be. And so if it's torture can be justified, then it's like, well, what's the definition of torture? Who gets to decide, Mm -hmm. right? What, when it's justified, all of that. And what they say based on years of research of doing this is most groups stop around 25 questions. He said, but you want to push it. You want to get to 50 or 75. And then, and then you start to winnow, winnow them down. And they make a really interesting point. It's easier to winnow down questions than it is answers because we may not know whether or not an answer is right or wrong, but we know the questions that inspire us. Yes. And that look, you know, and, and I just think that's an awesome session to have this, this QStorm session. I think that's a really interesting, innovative tool.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, we've got, got to try to work that into some of our future workshops, Ron. And I think that would be a fascinating conversation to, to, to see people in, in that mode, really trying to develop those questions. And you're right. Questions are easier to weed out than answers. I mean, answers and they go through a a huge cycle of, you know, positive, negatives. But, but we usually with a question, you can dismiss it uh, relatively quickly because we recognize great questions when we see them. We do. We they recognize inspire us. Like, yeah.
2: They inspire us. Yeah, and Ed. we'll talk about some of those in the next segment. But the other thing I love about this Ed mm-hmm. is, you know, not to put a you know, not to put a fine point on it, but anybody can ask a great question. The dumbest kid in the room or the smartest kid in the room. Right. They're they're egalitarian. Right? I mean, anybody can come up with an inspiring question. They yep. might not have the answer.
3: <laughs> right. Right. Right, but you know they but they but they've got the, got the right question, and that's you know that, that's what uh, what Eric Hoffer was talking about, um, la- lastly on this on setting up, um, and this I think dire- directly leads, and I'd be curious to see the, your thoughts on how uh, Berger deals with this, but uh, th- the order of questions becomes important, and Peter Block says that we should ask questions about possibility and dissent early in the process. Right. Right. So we have the. So when when we think through this questioning process, we don't jump into questions about implementation first. We first have to ask questions about possibility and dissent, yep. and under, and understand both of those things. Right. Before we can. Yep. Before. It, it, yeah. Before <laughs> we go in and ask questions about ownership, commitment, and what Block calls gifts. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is effectively, mm-hmm. what do, What are you bringing to the table the here? Table. Right. So but 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 we have but but the, the order of those questions and how they come out are is critically important to the effectiveness of the conversation.
2: You know, we did a whole show on Blockhead where you talked about the why versus the how questions. And yes. we said it wasn't that the how questions were were wrong or in a it's just that they were ill timed. Right. Most people put the how questions first. Well, in Berger. Burger's book, he's got this model why, what if, how. Mm. (laughs) Notice how comes last. Again. So the why and the what if is kind of your possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. And all of that, and maybe even dissent in in the what if so I, I I think the the two books align, which is probably why I really like the uh the book a more beautiful question, but folks we are running up against the time block here, and uh, as ed said, we'd like to remind you you can send us your emails or ideas for shows, so some of you have sent us some ideas for shows in the future at ask tsoe at bear sage.com. also check out the show notes at the soul of we will post full show notes and books and the ck louis video that uh, ed will post or louis ck i always get that confused but in the meantime we want to hear from ed's employer and our sponsor sage
0: us on twitter at voice America trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice America trn four new employees a 20 percent increase in revenue being one of the 9 million women business owners in the u.s these are your proudest numbers your landmarks of growth and success Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today.
1: Have you ever read a book that changed your life?
3: One of the really interesting things about Great Questions, Ron, is that they can actually have an impact on the person, even if the person refuses to answer them. And I think one of the best illustrations of this story comes from the Mayo Clinic, where they did a double-blind study about the intake forms that they were using, where the standard intake forms telling you about you know, what, what, what precipitated this problem and all of the things that are on the normal, quote-unquote, intake form for a patient. And then they started asking questions about the healing process and how how this person was going to recover, who was going to be there to support them. And wouldn't you know it, it has turned out in a scientific double-blind double study that people who were asked some of those questions that, that were about healing tended to get well at a better rate than, than the people who were not asked about those. Totally That's incredible. It is. That, I,
2: I I've read that about the Mayo Clinic, and I absolutely love that. And, and not only that, Ed, but their doctors are taught and educated on how to ask questions and i don't just mean you know verbally i mean like the body posture they they are required to sit down and ask questions all the way to the end which is their last question is is there anything else you're concerned about they can't do it as they're getting up you know standing by the door because people don't want to you know impose on their doctor's time right they know they're mm-hmm. busy uh and it just that's great
3: yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, there's three. Three quickly. There are, in my perception, Ron, three qualities of ambiguous of um, of great questions. They are ambiguous, personal, and edgy, right? um so I think they have all of those those uh, qualities. And I'm going to sh- uh, throw one out that when I first read this question, I didn't like the question, and now I seem. Uh, the, the, but the more I've used this, the more I like it. And the question is, what is the crossroads you face at this time? Yeah. I really love that question, and I'll tell, tell you specifically why. Um, it's definitely personal, right? You. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's definitely ambiguous. I mean, nobody uses, or re- rarely do people use in a business context the words crossroads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So, what is the crossroads that you or your organization face at this time? And when I have begun asking that questions, as as opposed to what what I was asking, which is what are the decisions that you're trying to make? Right. That was a, a much more or less ambiguous question. But what's what's happened is when you ask crossroads, you go th- you go places that I, I was never even expecting. And had I asked the question, "What decisions or what judgments are you trying to make right now?" I would not have gotten those answers.
2: Right, right. It's like asking somebody, how do you feel about that versus what do you think about that? Right. Mm -hmm. It opens up just a plethora of of answers. Mm -hmm. You know, Ed, we've talked about Andy Grove before and how he took Intel from a memory chip company to a processing company, and he did it relatively quick. And the question that preceded that was this, Mm -hmm. if we were kicked out of the company, what do you think the new CEO would do? (laughs) What a great Question. Uh-huh. And this new CEO wouldn't have the baggage of the memory chip, right? Nobody likes to kill their babies. But the new CEO would, would come in and say, no, this is a dying industry or a dying market. Uh-huh. You know, can no longer compete. So I just thought that was, was brilliant. And, yeah. and one of my favorite questions, and, and I got this from Peter Thiel, who wrote the book uh, From Zero to One. Mm-hmm. What is something I believe that nearly no one agrees with me on? that is you know that's what his venture capital uh, firm asks entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and I love that
3: yep yeah no that's a that's a terrific question that's a terrific question I what one of my uh, favorites inside an organization this is when I'm doing some strategy work with people is to ask them what is the story that you keep telling about the problems you face Mm. right this is the, the what's the narrative Right. You know, every 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 organization has a narrative, right? And we we sit around the campfire. By the way, the campfire is now called the projector. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we sit we sit around the, the campfire that is the projector, and we keep telling this this narrative. What's the story, right? And then the follow up to that is what's the story is what are the, what are the benefits of the story, right? And people and and we talk about that. And then I love this piece. And what are the costs of keeping the story alive?
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Another set of questions I really like, and Drucker has his five most important questions. Yeah. But I, but I like these two What is our company's purpose on this earth? Of course, because we're such believers in purpose. Who have we as a company historically been when we've been at our best? Mm-hmm. Whom must we fearlessly become? What if our company didn't exist? Who would miss us? What should we stop doing? And where in the company is it safe to ask radical questions yeah. <laughs> where's our where's our petri dish right yeah. where can we go and, and 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 be like a startup be like an entrepreneur and ask game changing questions
3: yep good stuff all right well here here's a couple uh, a couple more of mine and uh, this is the, you know you've arrived by the way as a as a leadership consultant when you can ask this question and with 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 great confidence and that is what – usually this is to an executive or a leader. It's like, what is your contribution to the very thing you complain about most?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I love right. that. Because that's if you're it. not questioning it, that's all you're doing is complaining about it.
3: That's right. That's right. So, well, well, and then it becomes, though, is what's your contribution? What are the behaviors that you're doing that enable the, that behavior to continue in the organization? And so it's, it's a fantastic question. And then I, I've got to share with you this one because this is, I, again, I mentioned Howard earlier today, but uh, he and I have talked about this. But it, it, we, it, when you're interviewing someone, if, I firmly believe that if there's only one question I could ask on an interview, it would be this question. Who are your heroes and why are they your hero? Yeah, I, I love and that. And that's, that's-, that's all I need to know. That is all I need to know.
2: It's a great question, and Ed, this is one of my favorite questions. I use this all the time. In fact, I used it on our colleague Jay, and uh, he's he's now doing something completely different than than what he uh, was set out to do. But um, and and it's usually attributed to Tony Robbins, but it's actually from Pastor Robert Schuller, mm. and it's what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? <laughs> yep. And and I love that line. Now, that's been tweaked by other people to what's truly worth doing, you know, worth doing, whether or not you succeed or fail. But I just love that because it takes away a risk of failure. And that seems to be uh, a hurdle for a lot of people.
3: Well, I think I think that leads us then to re- what I what I have learned to be what's called the mother of all questions. Mm. Are you ready, Ron, for the mother yes. of all questions? Yes. And and. This again, I would, I learned this from Peter Block. I'm sure he's would attribute it to someone else. But it, and, and, but this is a it. What you the question you just asked is a variation of this. In fact, well, if it's the mother of all questions, every question is a variation of this question, right? <laughs> and here's the question. Ready? What is the question that if you had the answer would make you free?
2: Oh, it's, it's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that. I love what that. Is,
3: what is the question that, if you had the answer, it would make you three? And, you, and you've got to you've got to process that one a little bit. And here's what I love about it: there is there is no one answer that will sustain you your
2: entire life. <laughs> right. And and Ed, what's great, and folks, what's great about questionings is they you know they're more likely to not challenge you or ignore you if you ask people questions rather than sit there and giving them answers and telling them what to do. So I just think it opens up uh, channels of creativity and collaboration uh, more than answers. But Ed that was I just what a great topic. It's so important, the importance of a beautiful question. But what do we have on store next week?
3: Well, we are going next week. We have some fun stuff. We're going to do a live show. It's not really live, Ron, it's, but it was live from the Verisage Symposium that we had in Boston. We, we, you and I participated in a podcast, and we're going to cut some of the stuff out. we got to get it down to a uh, regular show length, but you're going to listen in to live from the Verisage Symposium in Boston,
2: bootleg. Massachusetts. It's a
3: bootleg. Yeah. I
2: love Soul it. Full enterprise bootleg. I'll, do it. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business and the knowledge economy sponsored by sage supporting small and medium sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week folks on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at uh, the soul We'll have full show notes and uh, we'll link to the books. We mentioned the more beautiful question by Warren Berger, and other things. And also you can contact Ed or myself at TSO at ask T S O E at BearsAge.com. Folks, thanks for listening. We hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com.